I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Abby Cox. And in this episode, we had some new adventures in podcasting. We had the friends ask me some questions today. We're really excited. We have some additional insights, and I am excited for you to listen. This was a ton of fun to record. All right, let's get proximate. Welcome back to First Lady and Friends. We are here today with Kirsten, our friend. And the last couple of weeks, Kirsten, you guys asked me all the questions. Yes, we did. Uh, no, y- y- you asked. <laughs> we knew we were going to mess that up. I don't know. Sometimes just whatever. It's been a long day of lots of meetings, and we're really tired My when we're recording this. So it's going to be a little, little crazy in here. So the last couple episodes, you got to ask us about stuff, and we uh, we left the studio, and we're like, okay, no, we need to flip the script. So today. First Lady, you're in the hot seat, and we're going to find out about you. I'm ready. Bring it on. <laughs> I'm excited. And and I don't know if people really know, KSL is so wonderful to host us, and they've given us this producer that we begged and begged and begged for back, Josh, who we had in <laughs> we our previous Josh. podcasting life. We really do. Um, but they are also still being really careful about COVID, so there can only be one co-host in the studio with you at a time, which is why we're doing this kind of this weird way. But I'm stoked because I get to start by asking you whatever questions I want, and then the other co-hosts can ask whatever's left over. I'm a little nervous. Yeah, but, let's, but let's let's go. go. <laughs> let's do it. Okay, I want to start with this question. Um, you open your show with "Let's get proximate," and I, I just want to talk a little bit more about like what does that mean to you? Where does it come from? Why does it matter? So, uh, several years ago, I first read the book "Just Mercy." by Brian Stevenson. And it was actually very life-changing for me um, because it was, you know, growing up in a place in Utah, but even more so rural Utah, it's it's pretty homogenous. Um, you, you don't get a lot of people of color. You don't get a lot of differing um, political or religious backgrounds. And so... Me reading about sort of racism up close and and sort of the history of juvenile justice and and the issues that that um, are there regarding race, you know, through Brian Stevenson's experiences, it was just the book is so powerful. I know there was a movie made a, a couple of years ago. Right. Um, again, I would just say read the book make sure you read the, the book. book is always better than the, mo- the movie except is for good matilda oh yeah okay 
back to getting proximate. <laughs> but but he shares lots of stories, and, and again, I can't I can't say all of them. But the, the the gist of the idea is that when we when we hear people's actual lived experiences, it opens our minds to an empathy that that we maybe didn't know we could have. And I guess that's where I'm at. And the more I talk to people that, that have different experiences than I do, that have a different lived life, you know, that than I did and that I do, um, it it really opens my heart to people that may have and and changes my heart and changes my mind in a lot of things I thought I believed about people. And so it's I guess that's I want people to experience that too. Um, I want everyone to experience the idea of getting proximate to somebody that's different. And you want to bring that to this podcast? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And so bringing people here that have a different lived experience and so that all the listeners can, can get proximate, even though we're not physically proximate, we're hearing people's experiences. I think it's a way to bring human connection in a world that is craving real connection with one another. Yes, yes, yes. I completely agree. And I, and I will say, I think reading Just Mercy is sort of like a required reading if you're going to be a friend of the Abby and Spencer Cox family, because <laughs> we're just constantly talking about it now. I have to say, from a personal standpoint, like it kind of wrecked me um, growing up where I did as well. It just... It, opens your mind to some, so many things. And I think it's really great that ever since then, and even before then, um, y'all want to spend your time getting proximate with people. And I think you get a lot of opportunities to do that in the political space. Um, it's not so, you know, binary as like you, one person's on one side of the aisle and one person's on the other side of the aisle. Like there's so much just beauty and, and diversity of thought, even, you know, here in Utah in a place that maybe you wouldn't think of. Um, and actually, I want to talk about that a little bit, too. I, I think it's been interesting, even just from like my political staffing standpoint, to get to meet and talk to people who are different than I am and have it open my mind. Um, you all got to go to every single place in this state, every city in the state on your campaign, and you got to meet a lot of really fantastic people. How did that you know, kind of tour, um, open your mind to all of this and help you to get proximate with people? Yeah, it's, I know it's not really feasible for everyone to do that, but frankly, <laughs> it would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's exhausting, <laughs> but it, but you know, I would love that experience for everyone. And, and I guess also with this pod is, we want to collect those people that we that we listen to and we heard their stories and bring them on the pod so they can so you can kind of get a little taste of what we saw throughout the state and um i guess one of the most meaningful experiences we had was we did service projects and yes. some of them were really small some of it was just planting a tree here or there um it was a painting a door on a on a building or whatever it was. Some of them were a little bit bigger. And one of the ones that really stuck out was there was a a child in, or I think it was a couple of children in um, an elementary school in Price who, whose siblings had been victims of suicide. And the elementary school playground was literally a 
right next to the cemetery Mm -hmm. where their siblings were buried. And there was a a chain link fence, but it was just every time those children came out to play in the playground, they were reminded daily of of that trauma in their life and and that grief. And And so it was the community that said, you know what, we'd like to come together and if you would help us do the service project, we want to put the privacy slats in the fence so that every time these children come out, they're not. It's not like a constant reminder that they can just be children, that they can just play with their friends without that constant reminder. And so we had probably at least 200 people from the community come out um, to join us for that service project. And again, that's a story. People are dealing with suicide. We have one of the highest. We we live in the suicide, suicide belt. belt. Right. Yeah. And and it's a tough, tough issue. And there's so many people in this state that are dealing with that very thing. But for a child, you know, if we can surround that child with love and just lift his burden just a little bit, then I, I think we've gotten proximate and that means something. I love that. Um, just really, really cool to hear. You know, I wasn't with you on the campaign trail. I was otherwise engaged being ethically um, careful. And I think... It's just so cool because those stories and those experiences have really, really stayed with you and and shaped you. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, your upbringing. Can you give us a picture of like what was a Saturday at the Palmer family household in San Pete <laughs> County like growing up? Like you have a but, crazy <laughs> back. I mean, it's fantastic. I know. And it's it's. I always think like I feel like I lived a hundred years ago. It's like <laughs> I, I kind of did. My yeah. experiences <laughs> remind me of sort of that. It's yeah. I just was. It was a, a a time long ago that not a lot of people have still experienced. In in rural Utah, there's still people that experience this. My and a lot of my family still live on ranches, and and a, my brothers are still working on my family ranch. But I grew up in a family of ten kids. Woo-hoo. I was number five, so right in the middle. So yes, came with all the middle child stuff, like you know, like extreme middle child. <laughs> like, did you get your own toothbrush? <laughs> Barely, maybe your own socks once a year. We we would like okay. So a typical so say we're you know so this is a typical typical Saturday. Um, let's pick a typical Saturday in February. Okay. And, um, we're lambing, which means, you know, we were running about 200 head of sheep. I really didn't know that was a thing before I knew you. (laughs) Lambing is when, you know, there's, you have, you have these curls in the barn and there's the each, each morning the ewes are, are birthing their babies and usually there's twins. And so you gather those up at five o'clock in the morning. You put them in a little about four by four pen so that they get their sheep are not real bright. So you have to get them <laughs> together so that they just have them and their lambs and they, they make sure they're nursing and they're eating you and everything. <laughs> and then so you have all these pens that and then you're feeding and watering all these uh, these sheep in the pens and then you're sort of taking groups of 10 and putting them together so they get used to oh being goodness. with them. and then you you know several weeks after that it's out to the pasture and so this is what's happening early in the morning and then you're cleaning out pens you're doing this stuff all day long Saturday was and then you came in we would come in after after doing all the uh, the whole long list of farm work that my parents had all and, of you did all the children help yeah yeah yeah, I mean, there's seven girls. We were all in there. My boy, my brothers are older. They were number one and number three, and then it was all us girls. 
And then um, when we got to the, you know, the end of the day, we'd come in in the afternoon usually. And then that's when we would clean our rooms. My mom was like, she ran such a tight ship that like we had charts. You cleaned your room. You made your, you know, you changed your sheets on Saturday. You, I mean, it was like deep clean bathrooms, everything. And then my mom would stay up and like mop the kitchen floor like till like midnight. Wow. And do all the cleaning of the whole house after she'd been out. So she was childrening. You were lambing and she was childrening. (laughs) But she was also lambing. (laughs) And my dad was actually got really sick when I was in middle school. And so a lot of that fell on my mom and the rest of us to to actually pick up the pieces on the farm. What did you love about that? Um, not a lot. <laughs> Wrong if question, I'm being Kirsten. To- <laughs> totally honest. No, there's there's moments, obviously, you know, with my with my sisters, and it's. I guess what I loved about it is when the work was done and we could play. Um, and so those were the times I loved actually playing sports. That was my outlet. I loved being gone to sports. <laughs> I wasn't working at home, but but yeah, those are those are fun things to do. Oh, I love it. What a crazy fun upbringing you had. I know that um, Jeanette Bennett is like going to be knocking down the door for her chance to interview you here in a minute. Um, but so so excited to get to know you more through these questions. And um, I just want to say, I think I called you like rough and tumble last episode, and <laughs> I actually really stand by that. <laughs> that's, that's not. I, I think I said like whatever the next level up from. But like, I think you just like proved my point, and I just want to point that out. <laughs> but I will like advocate my seat right now and let one of our other um, ragtag co-hosts. No, come in. I, I think that's fantastic. You know, tromp, tromping through the manure in the in the corral is definitely rough and tumble. So we'll be right back. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. We are back with Jeanette Bennett. We're going to do a reverse interview and I you get a turn to ask me the questions <laughs> so this week. I'm excited. I could talk to you for hours, so I'm excited to ask you a few questions. And we have. <laughs> yes, we, we have. We had a real long talk on your sidewalk one day. We did. That was fun. That was great. So tell me, what's something in your life that's turned out better than you thought it might uh, so this is an interesting one because, um, and maybe it's a little, I don't know. Okay. So it's a little personal information and maybe we won't get into the whole story at this moment, okay. but, um, about 11 years ago, I decided not decided, but I felt, um, impressed or, or, um, you know, I don't know what the word is, but my sister-in-law and I had had many conversations and we were very close and she has cystic fibrosis and was unable to have another child because her first child very, very nearly killed her. And this and is Spencer's sister? Spencer's okay. sister, yes. Um, and 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 I would love to have her on the pod and we can that would be get awesome. into this. Um, she's one of those really fascinating people that everybody will love. And she 
anyway, was just feeling really compelled to have another baby and just didn't think that was even possible for her to do. And through a lot of um, deep conversations and just some real spiritual moments for the both of us, we felt like I would be a surrogate for her. And so amazing, really a tough decision and really a tough journey um, for both of us and for all of our families and really apprehensive about what it would mean for my own kids. Right. And, you know, it's a lot to think about with in that. that moment. You know, what does it mean for my body? What does it mean for my mental state? And how do you how does one do such a thing? Right. <laughs> it's not an everyday decision. <laughs> no. And again, requires both both um, couples just really being in tune with with what they feel like is, is supposed to happen. And so um Ten years later, uh, we have a little Lawson who's who's it's just so a joy, and you know, so that obviously I wasn't sure how that would turn out, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of emotional, um, tough things I'm that sure. I went through. I'm sure all tough along times, the way, mm-hmm. but it really did turn out amazingly, and and just some just a life experience really hard to describe but but turned out really well i i'm so glad to hear that and i would love to do a whole wouldn't it be fun to do a whole episode on your journey and have her with us that would be so great the first time i heard about this i was i was emceeing utah philanthropy day and your husband as lieutenant governor was there and he worked that story into his speech and i'm pretty sure none of us in the room had ever heard this story before well and he i remember him coming home and said uh yeah. so <laughs> so i did this thing in front of a lot of people you did what now <laughs> yeah but i i remember getting and, and the room was silent listening to this story and we were all touched and he was touched in telling it and i remember getting up to the microphone afterwards and saying something along the lines of as if we didn't already love abby Oh. Enough. We we now know something even more special about her. So I love hearing that it turned out better than you expected because that yes. that was a that's a big one. That's a big story. So <laughs> thank you for sharing that. All right. What kind of mother did you think you were going to be, and what kind of mother are you actually? I I kind of love this question because I think when I think most of us as parents are the the best parents in the world. Before we have kids. <laughs> exactly. We know it all. I mean, we've got we all do. the answers. We have all the patience. And so yes. the kind of mother I thought I would be, my mother is was very strict, very, um, she had to be, she had 10 kids. She, you know, she had to just, everything had to be just so, or you'd lose your mind. And, and you're the oldest, is that right? I'm the fifth oh, of the 10. Fifth. Oh, sorry. Yes. Oh, right in the middle. So, um, so she was, yeah, she, but... So I, I I assumed I'd be a little less militant, but but really my kids would be so much better. <laughs> <laughs> I love those ideals at the no. beginning, you know. And the mother that I really am, um, I guess, would differ from the first child to the last child. Absolutely. I think we become very different parents. I, do, I was having this conversation with my daughter the other night. She was really lamenting the fact that we are old and that we are old parents (laughs) and that she's stuck with us because her older brother is graduating and she still has four years at home with us. And so four years in the mansion. Yes. The only child. (laughs) She was getting really, you know, really lamenting this fact. And I said to her, 
honey, you really should appreciate this because I was a much more uptight mother with Gavin, our oldest, than I am with you. I promise you, you should. I'm sure. Be Bedti- happy bedtimes about that. have changed. Rules have yeah, loosened. Much more age relaxed. you have to be to get a phone changes. But yeah. yeah, although she did say you let him get Snapchat and you let him do stuff, and I said, well, because I didn't know enough then. That was right. it was all brand new. That stuff was all brand new. And I said, I know better now because she gets really mad. I won't let her do social media right. at all. <laughs> so in some ways, you're probably more strict, and maybe in other ways less. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would say. And you learn you learn what's important and what you should just let go and yeah so I actually good. think being a mother in your later years and by later I mean 30s yes <laughs> Utah it, later years yes uh, it is a really cool feeling because you know that it doesn't really matter if the bow matches the skirt or whatever yes. you know those oh my things gosh, yes. just don't matter but just having fun making memories shaping them into who they are those things yeah matter, well so. and having my only daughter be last I just, I just, I used to lament the fact because I just think she would have just made my life. She would have babysat the boys. She would have, I mean, she would have just run the show. But now I think about it. I'm like, now that we're going through 14 year old together, I was like, "Mm, nope, I was too uptight to do a 14 year old when I to be my first. So it worked out just as it should. I I think so. I love that. What's something you could talk about for hours? Um, besides, you know, kids and family, obviously those are, you know, kids, we talk about our kids all the time, but I would say horses, like that's something that people don't know. You know, Uh obviously we, we just talked earlier about my, my experiences on the farm, but my experiences, um, riding a horse taught me so much, taught me to use my voice, to be in charge, to be powerful in my own way and and to not be intimidated mm-hmm. by something that seems like it could be very intimidating right. so yeah love I love that I know you were with Bridal Up Hope recently and they yes. they focus on some of those principles you just talked about and I love yes, how they've incorporated what was, what was so fascinating again I say this because of the experience I just had there I they articulated that to me and growing up with horses I learned all those lessons but I don't think I really knew that's how what I was learning right. they until they had articulated on your wall. it to me. And <laughs> yeah. I said, oh, my gosh, exactly. yes, exactly <laughs> what you said. Yeah, oh, that is such a cool program. And I love that you could talk about that for hours. OK, so similarly, if you could have a magic wand and fix anything in, like one thing, I guess, one thing in Utah, what would you use that magic wand to fix? I think I would fix empathy. I think I would fix the children in our state learning empathy so that when they are the adults in this state, that we don't have the contempt and the vitriol and the inhumane way that we treat each other. Um, That's powerful. I just think if every child in this state grew up with empathy and love for those who may have express a different opinion or come from a different place than they do, mm-hmm. I think this world would absolutely be a beautiful place to live in. That would be an excellent use of a magic wand. I remember learning that uh, 
in, in, in kindergarten and in preschool, learning empathy was even more important than learning their letters in the alphabet. Because if you look at who ends up in prisons, it's people who lacked empathy in a lot of cases, yeah. you know, that uh, could commit a crime because their empathy wasn't where it could have been. So yeah. I love that you would fix that problem. Abby, I could talk to you for hours. I know. <laughs> I wish we had time for a few more questions, but we have future episodes. We'll have <laughs> lots of time to dive into things. We will. And thank you, Jeanette. This has been absolutely fun for me. We'll be right back. And we are back with our other friend, Don Ramsey, the busiest lady in the state, <laughs> <laughs> on meetings while she's potting. Yeah, don't tell. Oh, do whoops. not, do not tell, tell We won't say that. which meetings. <laughs> she's, she's not actually in a meeting right now while she's recording Just the kidding. Podcast. Disregard that. We'll edit that out. She jumbly let me know. It's good. It's okay. <laughs> I am so happy to be here with you. It makes me happy to see you this in this so fun. day and age where we're... We're hoping to get to start seeing more people. I'm very excited oh, yes. about that, and I'm thrilled to see you. I know. I told my daughter a while ago, I said, we, she and I decided that we kind of need therapy, like re-entry therapy. Uh-huh. Like, you see pictures of, like, a room packed full of people with no masks on from, like, years ago, and you're like, <gasps> oh, gosh. <laughs> Actually, we just experienced that over the weekend, <gasps> and we went. We were excited to be able to go get ice cream, and we were celebrating. My son had some exciting news, and, and so we went to celebrate, and we went for ice cream, and it was the first time that we've been around that many people because people could be in there um, at every table. You know, the yeah, tables didn't yeah. have to be quite as distanced, and that is great news, but it was a little... There are uh, we haven't been around this many people it's a at one time unnerving. in a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of unnerving. Yeah, I, yeah, it's going to take some real. I, like I'm not kidding. I think I'd be <laughs> to get back in adjustment. Yeah, it's a good adjustment to get to make. Oh, absolutely! Very excited about yeah, that. So fun. Okay, well, I'm so excited to get to ask some questions to you. Yay! I, you're the one who I. I am excited for the listeners to get to know the most. There's so much, <laughs> so much about Abby. And so uh, the first question I have for you is what made you decide to go into special education? So this is such a great question because um, it's such a passion of mine and I, it's such a great story. So when I, and I'll age myself here, but um when I was very, very young, so first starting school, like kindergarten in that area, they there there was not a law for inclusion um, for kids with disabilities in our schools. And I think the law passed shortly thereafter. I do remember in second grade that um, three of the kids with disabilities, specifically with Down syndrome, um, from our community – they put it we were the biggest town in the in the county and so they put them all in our school i think that was the only place in our poor district that they had the resources mm-hmm. and so that's where they were and they were all in my grade and when you're in a small rural school you're you're connected with them really intimately and so i went all through school with these kids in in my class with me and they are beautiful souls. They're still my friends. Oh my my I, I see my one friend, John, he works at Terrell's. I haven't seen him for a while, but Emma Kate would say to me always when we go in there, Mom, you know, your friend John. There's there's your friend John. <laughs> like, That's awesome. I love, I love my friends with disabilities. And so growing up with that, I just – that's where I connected and thought this is this is really really where I want to be and so um, you know beautiful special ed program at Utah State one of the top 
special ed programs in the country. And right. so I just and I loved my time there and my professors were amazing. So, yeah, that's that's how that's what got me there. That's awesome. That's that is not something I even knew. Like this is a question I did not know the answer to. So I love that. I love that. Thank you. Okay, where do you see yourself in twenty years? <laughs> I see myself laying on a beach Taking somewhere, a <laughs> catching up for all the lifetime of sleep you have not yes. had. No, you know Spencer and I, after our public service, which I hope is not <laughs> not twenty years from now, but um, somehow before that. Um, but I think in 20 years, you know, I would love to have a whole bunch of grandkids. Um, I would love to serve LDS missions together with my husband. I would love to, you know, be in a spot where I'm just enjoying my family and not taking on the issues and problems of the world. <laughs> <laughs> I want that for you in 20 years. <laughs> On a beach. Right. <laughs> With a gaggle of grandkids. Yes. I love that. That's great. Can I come visit? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, okay. What is one thing that you wish every Utah knew about your husband, Governor Cox? That's interesting. Um, I guess, you know, and especially after this year um, or two of just probably the most difficult, the most arduous and exhausting two years of our lives, and especially the last year, um, running a statewide campaign for governor in the middle of a pandemic. He's basically running pandemic. Austin Cox, our campaign manager, was running campaign, and it was it was so tough because, you know, if if you succeeded, um, that, you know, the the opponents didn't want you to succeed, which meant the state was succeeding. So that was a really frustrating moment. And I guess I, I just remember, you know, on both sides, people were angry. There wasn't enough being done. There was people that were angry. There's too much being done. There are, you know, and it's just there's nobody's happy and everybody's anxious because they're in the middle of this really unknown, right. scary moment in our all of our lives. And he would come home at night just sheer exhaustion. Just I've never seen him. He wasn't sleeping. I've never seen him like that. He it, it was really tough. And I guess what I would want people to know about him is that he I remember him saying this would be really a lot easier if I didn't care. <laughs> and he he deeply cares. He deeply cares about humans. He deeply cares about people that are suffering. And, you know, I guess sometimes in you don't get the full picture of someone. You, you only see what that little snippet on the news or wherever it is. But to see the the deep anguish that he was having during this whole time because he's trying to make decisions that that save people's lives that save people's health, but also saves their jobs, right. saves their education. And and so it was it was such a heavy, heavy and still is a very heavy, heavy burden. But the reason it's heavier is because he does care so deeply. I love that. And I actually anticipated that would be your answer. That is exactly <laughs> the answer I thought you would give is that he cares so much. Um, I know that's true. 
I know yeah. that's true, and I and I'm glad that you shared that with people. I think um, a campaign or inflammatory information that gets out and spreads like wildfire does not tell the story of who someone is. No, and. Um, I love that. Thank you for and sharing they, and that. that. And that they're a human. And I think we all have to realize that, like, assign people. I tell my kids this all the time. Assign people the best intentions. Mm-hmm. If, if we're looking for those, the good in people, we're going to find it. Awesome. Agreed. That's so great. Thank you. Okay. I want to know if you could talk to any one person in history, who would you choose and why? Okay. So I, I love this question, too, because... Um, I don't know if many people know this, but I have a namesake and I was named after Abigail Adams. Abigail Adams um, was, you know, a central figure in the founding of our country. And I was born in 1976. Now I'll really you can add up my age now. (laughs) (laughs) It's no secret. Um, But that's that was the bicentennial year for our country. Right. And so it was a big celebration, and I was born in in 1976. So my mom named me Abigail after Abigail Adams. And not only did she name me that, but she always bought books, biographies um, that I, she would give me to read about Abigail. And she – and probably there were many, many more women like her, but because she was such a prolific letter writer and because she and John had this beautiful relationship where they and and because they were apart so much that they they wrote these letters back and forth and she was she was she was a very she was kind of a woman before her time I mean she she was powerful she had a powerful voice I mean even in the time that she lived in she talked about taking care of the women and and we're going to revolt if the laws don't reflect <laughs> what we need and what we deserve. And so, I mean, she was really instrumental in making sure that women's rights were protected. But again, you know, lived in a time where there weren't a lot of women's rights. And so I if I could sit down and chat with her, I think she would just be a fascinating person to connect with. I love that. I love that. That's, it's so fun. I, I'm so happy that people get the chance to know these things about you. And, and I think they're just going to, um, anybody who listens to this, love getting to know you. And, and hopefully <laughs> at some point when we can all be together, get you know get to know all of us. Because part of the beauty of this is we think we're hilarious and we're all together. <laughs> like, of course we do. We think we have a great chemistry. And so uh, we, we just hope that uh, people enjoy this. But doing it this way is just, it's also fun too. It's different than we anticipated. But I love getting to talk one-on-one with you. Thank you Thank so much. You. For it's been so fun. how awesome you are. And he's letting us just ask anything. There were no, no like no bets are off on yeah. this. It was it was wide open. And, and yep. so we just got to come up with our own I, questions. I'm an open book. Awesome. <laughs> we'll be right back. And we are back with the party. <laughs> we got Shelly here. Woof, woof. <laughs> and she's got some, what have you got for me? I've got, a, I've got kind of a fun story for you before we dive into some questions. So today, I was asked by a friend of mine to come to an elementary school in Weber County, Municipal Elementary, and speak to the fourth graders. And she asked if I would talk to them about our new governor and introduce him and his family and let them know, you know, what he's 
like and what he's about. And it was really, really fun. So I start out and I ask him the question, do, do they know what happened on January 5th this year? And they gave me some funny things. And then we finally got to the point that we got a new governor. What's his name? Then what's his wife's name? And I tell them, your name is Abby. What do we call Abby? We call her Abby. I said, well, if you're really good friends with her, you can call her Abby. I said, when I call her, I call her Abby. But sometimes when we're, you know, there's a title that goes with Mrs. Cox. I said, well, she probably doesn't want to be called Mrs. Cox. I said, actually, we call her the first lady. And one girl in the room raises her hand and she goes, um, no, she's not the first lady. Michelle Obama is the first lady. <laughs> so it was kind of fun. I got to explain yes, yes, to she them is. <laughs> what the first lady was, that you were the first lady of Utah and what that means. And then that Michelle Obama was the first lady. But it was really fun. So anyway, you are, you've got some stiff competition with Michelle Obama. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Oh my so, gosh. Yeah, it was cute. They Kids were, are the best. Oh my gosh. They, they are were absolutely so the best. Cute. So I did this this true false thing with them about the governor, you know, and I would say, you know, true or false, the governor plays in a band, you know, and I just did some fun <laughs> stuff. So at one point a girl raises her hand and she was like, So you mean to tell me our governor is a Spanish speaking crazy sock wearing farmer? <laughs> I said, Oh, oh my gosh. Perfect. We're that buying it on his bio. Perfect. Yes. So they were cute. They were fun. They had a lot of fun getting getting to know Governor Cox and the First Lady. And it was oh, fun to be able to introduce fun. you and tell I you guys love some being fun in stories. schools. That, that, that seriously is, I miss it so much. I used to go in with my kids all the time and do groups. and they, too. Like, they say the darndest things. They really do. <laughs> I know. It's cute. It's fun. So today I get to ask you the rapid fire questions, Abby. Oh, okay. It's just quick get to know you questions that we're going to ask. We're going to go quick and I might come back to some of them. There might be a story behind one or two of the reasons. Okay. And then we'll see where it goes. Okay. So, and I haven't seen these questions. So you this... have no idea. And they're, and they're simple. They're easy. They're things like mountains or beach. 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 Urban or rural? Rural. I knew that you were going to say that. <laughs> um, do you guys like to eat out or eat at home? Oh, definitely eat out. Eat out. Casual or dressy? Oh, gosh. Like both? I don't know. <laughs> okay. I actually do like, you know, it is kind of fun to, to be dressed up. But yeah, um, who doesn't love to throw on your jeans and your hoodie? Right. For yeah. sure. Truck or car? Truck. Snow ski or water ski? Snow ski. Summer or winter? Mm, gosh. Probably winter. Okay. Steak or chicken? Steak. Hot dog or hamburger? Hamburger. Cats or dogs? Dogs. <laughs> Hard book or audible? Audible. Sandals or pumps? Pumps. Licorice flavor, red, black, or chocolate? Mm. Chocolate, unless it's red vines. I like red vines. Okay. Would you rather have more money or more free time? Well, I've had a lot of free time lately, so I would take money. (laughs) (laughs) Always, always. Because I feel like money can buy free time. I don't know. Sure. Early riser or night owl? Uh, I'm probably... I'm probably a night owl. Facebook or Twitter? Twitter. Definitely Twitter. Fake or real Christmas tree? Fake. Flowers or golf balls? Golf balls. <laughs> we'll come back to that one. Road trip or air travel? Oh, gosh. 
I like both, but right now probably air travel. Air travel. No <laughs> kidding. Peppermint Patty or Lifesavers? Lifesavers. <laughs> okay. Girls night out or date night? Date night. Sweet or salty? Mm, salty. Country or pop music? Mm, country. Call or text? Text. Treadmill or road running? Road running. <laughs> I hate the treadmill. Passenger or driver? Oh, gosh. I'm a passenger a lot more lately, but I, yeah, I like to drive. Water or soda? Water. Pancakes or waffles? Mm, waffles. Laying pipe or gardening? Uh, probably laying pipe. Okay. Shopping or sporting event? Sporting event. Vacation or staycation? Vacation. Vacation. As long as it's... we. So my sisters and I have this thing. I've had to teach some of my sisters this. Is like, there's a difference between a trip and a vacation. Like a trip is, you have kids, it's work, it's hard, you know, it's busy. A vacation is like, the number one thing is there are no kids and <laughs> it's, it's just like chill and it's relaxing and it's fun. So somebody asked me just the other day, where was your last vacation? And I said to Arizona to for Kai's baseball game. And they're like, that's, that's not a vacation. Not a vacation. And I said, oh, it's not. And so they had to do the same thing, like especially like Arizona is not a vacation. I was like was to me it was sunny and warm and there was baseball so the only one of the questions I knew most of your answers on this so I felt pretty good about our friendship I was like I know what she's going to answer on we, most we can of play these. that game compatibility do you remember yeah, that yeah <laughs> seriously I was like I know what she's going to say here there there might be one or two that might have surprised me but I said if she says shopping over sporting events our friendship's over <laughs> so I was glad you said that oh, yeah, sporting for, event I for mean, sure. you're no, a sports girl a jazz girl I would I love a good ball game I love to go to the jazz I that's like my favorite thing I you and I have talked cuz I love to go to a baseball game right my kid I take my kids and they're like this is boring. And I'm like, I. it's not supposed to be right. it's just crazy exciting. It's supposed to be like, it's the atmosphere. It's the sounds. It's the smells. It's the crack of the bat. I do have to say, we went to New York. Spencer's parents like took all the adult children to New York for like Christmas when you're like as a Christmas trip, not during Christmas, oh, but right. um, like as a Christmas present. But we did like the red eye and then like literally that afternoon we got in that morning and like at noon or one or something it we went to a yankees game oh, you did i'm jealous it was awful actually oh, it was like, awful? because well, <laughs> like, it was it was almost like an out-of-body experience because i don't sleep on planes right so i am literally have been up like 30 hours and i'm sitting there like it was, it was, you know, like when you're that exhausted. And so we, you'd look down the road and all of us are like half asleep and like, I'd just be drifting and all of a sudden you'd hear the crack of the bat and your eyes would open. And it was like, it's like Chinese water torture. It was like that torture where you like, they won't let you go to sleep. Right. And so it was like, I love a baseball game, but I do need a good night's sleep before Not I go. Yankee Stadium. Okay, we're gonna maybe you and I should go to Yankee Stadium again oh, and just so relive we, it. Let's we do went it. to another Yankees game when we took Gavin back for a senior trip and went to New York and went to because my husband loves the Red Sox the Red and they Sox. were playing the Red Sox and 
it was pretty frightening, actually, because they're wearing red red, red stock, oh, sock stuff. And you're in Yankee Stadium, and we're in Yankee Stadium, and. It's 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 it wasn't Kansas anymore. They were like <laughs> screaming obscenities, like as we were walking out of the stadium, you know, because we right. were get, the Boston was getting killed, and so they were walking out, and it's like they were screaming obscen. I'm like, take off your shirt, hide your hat. I'm so scared. <laughs> no more Red Sox pride. <laughs> Should always have Red Sox pride, though. Always. So really quickly before we wrap up our segment, Abby, I just wanted to ask you, um, we- when I first met you, one of the things that endeared me to you and that has endeared me to the governor was I heard him first when he was the lieutenant governor. And I, I think a lot of people in our state, that's where they were first introduced to him was after the Orlando shooting. Mm-hmm. And he came out with his message. And then after when I met you for the first time, I, I knew about you guys from the podcast. But one of the things I've been most impressed by you, and I want to know where you get that from and why, where it comes from, is how inclusive you are, Abby. Why is it so important for you and for the governor to, or where does that come from? You guys don't, you really have an ability to connect with people, gender, ethnicity, um, religion, um, you know, sexual orientation, none of that bothers you, that people are not exactly like you. And that was one thing that I was drawn to you by because you and I, we don't have all of the same things like that in common, but it didn't matter to you that we were still going to be friends, even though we were different. Tell me where that comes from and why it's so important for you and Spencer to be inclusive to people who aren't like you. Well, I honestly, I, I don't know that I can pinpoint maybe one place it comes from or one experience, but um, I would say there's a combination of a few things. Um, first of all, Spencer, even Spencer and I grew up in different ways, even though we came from the same place. Um, he he came from a background of his parents were divorced. His um, he was bullied. He had some childhood trauma. Um, you know, he's a five aces kid. There's there's just some of that stuff. So when you've experienced some of that stuff, it really does change the way you look at people and and connect with people and, and empathize with people. And so I think part of that, you know, obviously people's religious backgrounds can be the same and their faith traditions can be similar and you can come out of it with different points of view. And for me, my religious faith background taught me to love. And that's the main, I guess for me, that's what I picked up in my religious background is to, to, to love people. That's my only job. Um, my, my, my job isn't to judge. My job isn't to correct anybody that, that, that may, you know, have a, a differing belief system. It, that's not that's not what I was taught. I was taught to love uh, people as just number one. And then I guess, and I talk a lot about literature and reading books. And, and truthfully, that's really where I've pointed to, because I'm not saying that I've, I didn't come out of my childhood or my even now, still, I'm sure there's unconscious bias that I have and and sort of judgments that I make that that are wrong. And so I guess to me is the idea of to keep learning 
through listening to people's experiences and 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 just that assigning people and I said this a little bit earlier but assigning assigning people their best intentions and look for the best in people and really I've just decided especially in the last few years I I just even selfishly for my own mental health I can't go around fearing people I can't go around fearing um what what I think might happen or you know this this tribalism that we see so much I just I just I don't know I I don't I I don't have a better answer other than I just there's lots of experiences that I've listened to from people that have sort of shaped the way I feel and and frankly the way we started this podcast talking about getting proximate um, that is one of the biggest things that I internalized in the last several years is just being able to connect with someone as a fellow human. Um, no matter what their story is, and being open to their story. And and this idea that um, you might be wrong. Right. <laughs> I mean, we're so entrenched in the idea that we're right. I tell my kids all the time, we're, do you want to be right or do you want to have a relationship? Like, I'd rather have a relationship than be right. And uh, and I just think in this in this country and sort of our our national conversation has just been so binary and and either either you're you're this or you're that and and it's it's just not the way it is and and we're just losing sight of of each other we're looking past each other and we're not seeing each other as humans and we're missing out i mean had i judged you and said you are not like me right you if you said you drink coffee and we're not going to be friends look at this beautiful friendship we would have missed out on like how sad is that and you think about all the people in your life if you cut out that weren't thinking exactly like you didn't didn't do you know exactly the things you do or believe the way you do like how sad that we we could live in a world where we've where we've created this space where we can't look out and and connect with people that are different and learn from them so i don't know i just i think it's it's more fun to live your life that way. Right. Well, I thank you. I thank you for being an example to me because of what you've taught me. I really have looked outside of myself to that tribalism. I'm a true blue BYU fan, and every once in a while, I'm even friends with a Ute fan. So, you know, thanks for your example, Abby. We love you. We even like the Lakers fans sometimes. Every once in a while. Oh, Shelly, this has been such a blast, and this podcast has been really fun. I hope you've gotten to know my friends better, and I hope you get a little bit of, of where I'm coming from and um, we will continue this conversation and we will have some amazing people on the pod that we can even get more proximate to so thank you so much for being with us today thanks for being a friend